This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. Fifteen ninety. As the English ship approached the shoreline of Roanoke Island, a thick fog began to creep over the water as nightfall was beginning to set in. It had been three long years since John White, governor of Virginia, had set foot in the New World. Three years without knowing whether his family and newly born granddaughter Virginia Dare were safe. The following morning, White and several crewmen set out towards the shore. He called out, but with no reply. The only evidence of habitation to be seen were footprints left on the beach, barefoot, an ominous sign as the English never went without their shoes. After finally making his way to the north of the island, White found what was supposed to be the location of the Roanoke colony, completely abandoned disassembled, its inhabitants vanished off the face of the earth. To this day, the unknown fate of the colonists has endured as one of America's most fabled mysteries. Where did they go, and what could have happened to them? Join us on Into the Portal as we discuss theories, evidence, and legends in part two of The Lost Colony. Welcome back into the portal. I'm Amber A. And I'm Andrew McKay. Welcome back, everyone. We got part two. Yes, we do. Of the Lost Colony. Yeah. Mm. We're going to try and find this thing today. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try. Something tells me we're going to keep keep looking. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, just before we get started here, though, we have a couple of just quick housekeeping things. Exactly. You want to kick that off, Amber? Well... Sorry to say, folks, but we're actually going to be having a dark week next week. Yeah. And we kind of snuck this upon you because we didn't really want to take one, but we're actually going away. It's my yeah, birthday next week. Yeah, we're going week, away for so. Amber's birthday, and uh, it just was too tight. It was a little too tight a time crunch to uh, do the right, get the proper research done. So Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be, we'll be uh, taking a week off, um, yeah, next Sunday, but we will be back the following Sunday, so... Look forward mm-hmm. to that. And it's going to be really fun because that brings us into September. Yeah. And we've got a sweet lineup of listener-suggested topics. Mm-hmm. So we're going to yes. be featuring one of those on each week. And I'm really stoked on it. It's funny because we, all month, uh, we've been kind of asking for people's, you know, like, their two cents, what they want to hear about, all this kind of stuff. And I feel like we got a lot of... Topics that were very Halloween-oriented. Definitely. Well, not even Halloween, but just horror-oriented. Yeah, like thing. more... Yeah, yeah. So we're actually going to save a lot of them for October. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but, we want to keep October super horror-oriented. Well, sure, exactly. Right? Yeah, very... We're going to call it... Um, I don't even know, like our Horrifics Legends Month or something, something like, like that. Something like that. We'll come up with something cool. But... quite come up with a name. Yeah. But 
Hey, but hey, no, if people have other suggestions too, like feel free, obviously for October, Mm. but um, yeah, September is a listener suggested topics month and we do have um, a few that we've had come in that we're definitely like really keen on, Mm -hmm. but um, always room for more, always room for more. So send us an email or whatever, get at us however you want to. And uh, we love it when you do. We love you guys' ideas. Yeah. Um, Last but not least, we have a new iTunes review. Sweet. Yeah. And this was (laughs) from uh, the American iTunes and it's from... Well, it's reads from Piping Hot Podcast. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so yeah, five stars, great. So it's um, says keep up the great work. The content is awesome. We just started listening, but we can't wait to continue. Double thumbs up. Short review, but really, really nice. And we love those five star reviews. So thank you so much. We really appreciate that. Keep them coming in, guys. If you haven't had time to uh, leave one yet, please do. It helps us so so much. Uh, bumps us up it on the really, iTunes rankings. So. Yeah, it really does. And we're trying to grow. We're one, trying to grow the show. So one day we're going to be on that Canadian iTunes, new and noteworthy. One day <laughs> we'll see it. We'll be super excited. It'll be all because of you guys. Yes. <laughs> all right. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Alrighty, we're getting into it. Well, so, we're gonna let's let's we'll do a quick recap though. Of course, of part one. Yeah, let's kick it off there, babe. Cool. Okay. So, I mean, what did we talk about? I mean, clearly we... Part one was all about the backstory of this legend, essentially, right? So, mm-hmm. 400-plus-year-old mystery, and we basically... I mean, how, how could we best recap? I mean, we obviously left off with John White back in England. He went back to try to get some supplies and some support for the colonists who had been basically, basically plopped in a terrible situation. And one could argue that they were sabotaged. Yeah, that's going to be a, one of the dominant, predominant theories in today's episode, which is actually really cool. And, yeah. Uh, well, not really. That's really not cool, well, man. Sorry. It's like, fascinating is... <laughs> is the word. That's just a dick move. Yeah, not <laughs> very much so. Like all these poor people, like over a hundred souls. But anyways, um, that's getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. But so like the main recap points, I guess, would be to say that obviously this was not the first expedition. It was the first attempt at leaving people that were families, um, colonists, not pirates, not right. privateers. Right. Um, so essentially, yeah, there was two other voyages, um, led by Walter Rayleigh, who was, or Raleigh, we're referring to him as, Raleigh, (laughs) not Rayleigh. Um, so yeah, Walter Raleigh, Sir Walter Raleigh, he was Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth's golden boy. Yeah. Might've had a few enemies in court, but he basically had staked a claim that he was the one to colonize in North America on behalf of the English crown. Yes. So that's exactly what he went went to do. And it was pretty rough, right? Because they were not... It's kind of weird, right? You think of the English as being very diplomatic, but they just, they weren't. No. They were they were heavy-handed. Yeah. They were violent. They, I feel as though maybe it was the fact that they thought they were dealing with quote-unquote savages. So in that case, maybe they thought they had to resort to savage terms, which is just a scapegoat for me. I, that, that's, oh, just, that's just taking the easy way out. Absolutely. But not really, because they basically dug a huge hole for themselves for the next 400 years with, right. with, with relations. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they sour the relations. And then, of course, on the third wave, we have the colonists of Roanoke dropped off. So it was 117 souls. Mm-hmm. And then one more was born, uh, Virginia Dare, mm-hmm. in the New World. So 118 people. Um, they were supposed to be at Chesapeake Bay which right. we talked about in the f- part one, but they were left on Roanoke because they were there to pick up the remaining men of uh, Sir Richard Grenville, who was employed by Sir Walter Raleigh, who was sent there on the second wave of expedition. Mm-hmm. So basically, we, we yeah, the, the colonists were struggling. And so White goes home, war with, war with Spain, mm-hmm. can't get back until 1590. And that's where we're starting off today. So, shall we get right into it? Let's do it. Cool. 
So, like we just said, so obviously, yeah, the war with the Spanish was won quite easily by the English. So it took mm-hmm. a few years, but like they they dominated them on the seas essentially. Yeah. So, but even even so, John White still had to basically hitch a ride. So, fifteen ninety, he sails back to the New World, but he wasn't the captain of the ship. He wasn't the you know the main dude. He basically was just like a high ranking person on the ship, but he wasn't he wasn't calling the shots. So I don't know that. That's kind of significant because he didn't end up getting to explore as much as he wanted to. That kind of seems bizarre to me. I know it's been three years, but he's the governor of Virginia. Uh, Yeah, like named after the queen. Yeah. And you'd think that they'd put a little more And now obviously his daughter as well. Yeah. But yeah, no, you'd think he'd have a little more weight in court, but perhaps there were other people involved that prevented him from getting there. Yeah. Other than obviously war with Spain. Right. But anyways, yeah, so he ended up sailing in. We saw so many uh, dramatic reinterpretations of this moment, hey? Where totally. Some where he's uh, calling from a foggy ship and it's, it's yeah. late at night. Hello. The story Hello. was like, yeah, like he arrived supposedly on a summer's evening in 1590 and it was quite foggy. Mm. And he, uh, so they couldn't approach the shore that night, but he was calling from the ship, mm-hmm. but with no response. So in the morning when the when the sun came up, they were able to obviously make their way to the shore and they did the same thing. So they're calling out as they go and there's there's nobody responding. Mm. And then obviously in the In Search of documentary, we or show I should call it, that we looked at, they the report was that they played a tune. There was like an English tune that they played on the flute to try you to... You want to go co- ahead and uh, give a little rendition of that? I don't even know. It no, was it was like, the classic one where it's like, oh... I, no, I'm not even going to try. It was like, <laughs> it, well, we'll have, we have the link to that video. It's only 25 minutes. It's that class where so. it's like, do, 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 yes. do, right. do, do, yes. do, do, I think that was the one. Do, 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 do. That's good. all I know. Very good. Very and good. I feel as though I just pushed that. But <laughs> <laughs> so they tried to, they tried to show like, because I guess his logic was, okay, maybe they, maybe the Spanish had come by. Maybe, you know, mm. they're, they don't want to come near the shore. So let's play this tune and see if we can coax anyone out. Of course, no response. The only thing they could see on the beach, any sign of life, were footprints in the sand. And obviously they'd be relatively fresh because it's sand, right? I mean, they'd have to be from relatively recently. But this was a bad sign because the prints were barefoot and the English always Mm. wore shoes. They never went without their shoes. Well, maybe they adopted new ways. It's a new world. Maybe their shoes had worn out. Three yeah. years. Come on, man. They're waiting for supplies for that long. They needed a new cobbler in there to <laughs> cobble some shoes. Um, that's correct, right? Cobbler? They made shoes, right? I think so. I think so. Anyway. <laughs> you just pulled that out of thin air. Yeah. <laughs> what about Koopa? Ooh. Making barrels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they continued in and made their way north, um, where the fort had actually been on the north end of the island from the previous, yeah, from three years before and actually from Grenville's men previously as well. But when they arrived at the spot, they found that the houses and the buildings and everything in the establishment had been taken down, disassembled. There was nothing there. Mm -hmm. It was abandoned. Gone. But it didn't look like a violent disassembling. No. There was no evidence of violence, no evidence of attack or struggle or anything strange. Like, no Mm -hmm. markings on trees. Like, no, nothing like that. Nothing out of the ordinary like that. You know what kind of reminds... That kind of, in my mind, speaks to maybe that it had been abandoned and then maybe the native inhabitants of Roanoke kind of slowly they're like oh well that looks like a interesting useful that was like yeah exactly or I, I think i could use that little shack let's just take it apart and reassemble it over on my end of the violin yeah, or something maybe. or i don't know maybe or burn or, it or whatever just like or burn it or make a boat out of it or who knows you yeah just repurpose even it. though i'm pretty sure they had way better boat making abilities than 
No, for sure. But like I mean, if it was already like pre-cut True. pieces of t- like timber and stuff, you know, I'm assuming I mean? that'd like, be pretty useful. Definitely. So the only thing that White could really come across, well, two things, but the one main one was the word Croatan. So this was carved into a stockade or essentially a post on the exterior of what the, where the fort would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and he thought that this could have been a good sign, right? Because we talked about this in part one too, Manteo, one of the uh, indigenous men that they brought back to mm-hmm. the new world, he was from uh, the local, the nearby island of Croatan. Mm. And he was obviously a member of that group. And so they knew of this and they knew them to be peaceful people, but it was kind of interesting when we were reading through this part, uh, like, and trying to come up with the notes for this. It was like, okay, John White sees this Croatan carved on a stockade. There's no cross at the top of it. And that's important because that was supposed to be like this secret symbol. Like if something was really going wrong or violence or anything like that, they would carve a cross at the top of the message they'd left to show that something bad had happened. Mm, It was a certain cross too. It wasn't just your average cross. Well, what was it? Was it like an upside down cross? <laughs> no, it wasn't. But it was um, from the descriptions I read. I I can't remember the name of the type of cross, but it basically is like kind of like a asymmetrical one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like, yeah. Gotcha. Anyways. And you can see pictures of uh, of what they would have looked like, but obviously well, I wasn't there. It, it wasn't carved in. Like what what it would have been. The, the images I've seen is almost like the horizontal part of the cross, like on the right hand of it. It's like kind of like a squig, not a squiggle, but it almost looks like a snake or something. Oh, okay. But I don't even know if that's accurate or if that was just like a reinterpretation or something. Could have been. Yeah. So, but that's not there. The cross isn't there. So he assumes, okay, well, this is it might be a good sign. Maybe they made their way to Croatoan Island mm-hmm. to seek refuge there, seek help if, if, if possible, right? Yeah. So actually, and then earlier in the day's search as well, they came across just three letters, three capital letters, C-R-O, carved into a tree on the bluff uh, of the Sound Shore. So, and this again, didn't have the cross above it. So then, the, so that was the secretly agreed upon symbol. So there's two places now. Without so C-R-O. That. So maybe they were in the midst of carving that and they were going to write Croton again, but they were interrupted. By what? <laughs> By hostile people, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So So we're getting into theories here now, and a lot of this is obviously conjecture. There are varying amounts of evidence that would support um, some of them, not all of them. <laughs> uh, and we're not getting into anything too, too batty. We'll just say that. No. No tinfoil hats here, people. Sorry. No. I, I'm uh, going to give some tinfoil hat stuff at the end just, <laughs> just, just for fun. Not, just for not fun. the actual... I'm not going to get into it. I'm just going to list them because they're fascinating just to list. Okay. But we're kind of taking a more serious well, look at this. obviously they were abducted by aliens, right? Of course. Obviously. It just makes so much sense. There's so much evidence for that. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they're just gone. That's just... the evidence. <laughs> and now we're just... <laughs> okay. Now we're just, just making fun of ourselves, okay, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to start off with theory number one here. And quite frankly, I feel like we're kind of going... It's not necessarily We're going in order, order from... of our least favorites to our most Yeah, okay. That's what I was going to say. my pet theory is the very end. <laughs> per- well, perfect. Okay. <laughs> so theory one, they set sail by boat because of starvation, danger, whatever. They mm-hmm. left by boat or they attempted to at least. Okay. So right off the bat, this obviously poses a few issues for a number of reasons. Boats take a while to build. Okay. Yeah. And not just anyone can build them. No. Right? They gotta be watertight, man. They, they had people that were capable of building homes and, and other things, like obviously carpenters <clears throat> and different tradesmen and things like this. Yeah. But to actually 
construct to get the materials to construct a ship, then actually construct a ship. And, would take forever. <laughs> and on top of it, to have the supplies to take you on a sea journey that would last months. I don't know. Assuming man. that all of them would have gone. Like oh, maybe true. maybe their maybe. numbers had been greatly diminished or whatever. Yeah. But uh yeah, so I kinda put that note in here, like maybe only a few would actually have would actually go under this theory. And so they wouldn't have to build such a large vessel, but it would still have to be big enough to be a seaworthy thing, right? But they're still mm-hmm. going to get, like you just said, they're still going to need supplies and things like this. One of the things that was found in 1992 that I stuck in for this theory, but this could actually be included in a number of other theories, was archaeologists discovered the very first laboratory, uh, or the earliest laboratory on Roanoke Island. Like English, like what? like European. So essentially it's like, it says laboratory, but essentially all that means is just they found pots and different things for making very rudimentary kind of like medicine. Oh, like tinctures? and Yeah, like okay. essentially like out of clay. like Herbal. Diff- yeah. And this kind of got me thinking, I was like, okay, well, why would that be there? Like, why would there, you know what I mean? Like if it's not in the settlement or anything like that, mm-hmm. would they have moved away to like a slightly you know, an adjacent location that was a little bit safer to try to like make some medical supplies for some sort of a journey? You know what I mean? Like, get the basics Sorry, that you need. Was this at the location of their original settlement, or was It this... was just nearby. It wasn't at the exact location of this same settlement. I wonder but what the... kind of flora... Or, sorry, yeah, flora. I was going to say fauna. Uh-huh. What kind of flora is growing in the area? Because if it was things like uh, St. John's Ward, or like, you know, like other sort things of Things like that definitely would have been in the area. or whatever. I'm not sure what grows in... Uh... Possibly even... I don't even... Well, I guess things like cannabis wouldn't have been indigenous to North America at this mm. time, but it would have, but yeah, definitely St. John's Wort, th- other things like that. I mean, how much knowledge the English would have had of th- those things specifically, I don't know. The other thing was, yeah. is like, this couldn't be conclusively dated to the oh, okay. exact, mm. to the, to the Roanoke colonists. It could have been from a later, from a slightly later date, like a, within the range of like 50 to a hundred years, hmm. because obviously the 1580s, like you're not really the technology isn't advancing that quickly for like no. things like that, especially when you're a colonist in the new world. So yeah, it'd be, yeah, I wouldn't see that changing. Yeah. Of right. course, to prove this, you'd have to find some sort of evidence offshore. Like if they would have sank or, you know, had any attempt oh, of yeah. actually leaving and there have been expeditions to look for this. So the, sh- the, uh, yeah, the first basically, I think it was like 450 meters, like uh-huh. out from the now existing shoreline, has been searched, like all along that coastline of Roanoke, for a departing really? ship. Okay. Nothing, nothing to be found. <laughs> well, do you think they would have sunk that close? You know. <laughs> it, well, you'd think that. I guess, <laughs> Hopefully, I guess would have made the, it a The logic further. is that there would be something possibly left dropped. Anything Why like the heck some would sort they of. They draw a picture of a ship on the tree instead of writing Croton. Well, it might take a while. I, <laughs> It's like, gonna quickly chisel a freaking. Just literally a sailboat. It's just a triangle and a little U shape. I guess that is pretty easy U-shape. to draw. Mm-hmm. It is. Anyway, Anyways, I'm not buying this theory I personally. Don't. Uh, I don't think. Yeah, I. I just. I. I'm not really buying that either. Yeah. First, yeah. There's a lot of problems with that, right? Because, like we've already discussed, the idea that you would have all the capabilities and knowledge and materials and time (laughs) like aren't you just too busy trying to survive probably yeah how do you have time to build a ship yeah anyways and then also that like uh well just the fact that either like you said it would have to be diminished people or maybe a selected crew 
but then how would they have supplies to actually... Unless they're bringing the whole crew and just eating the crew oh, along the way. A thought that just <laughs> occurred to me, though. Like, what if they just tried to do a coastal route and get to the south, right? Because there were already established areas in Puerto Rico, down south, like, all along there. So you would imagine... Frisky biscuits, though, for running into the Spanish. True. And maybe that was the case. But Which we will get into. Pure conjecture. The only other thing I wanted to add on to this that doesn't make sense for this was when John White continued on after um, seeing Croatan carved into the stockade post, they went into the nearby woods and found a couple of chests that had been abandoned. Mm. Um, but they didn't look abandoned. They looked that they had just been left there as if somebody was going to come back for them. And then mm-hmm. they had been weathered away. So like the contents inside the books, different things like that had all been damaged. Okay. But only from slow weathering. But it's like, if you're going to leave by boat, why would you go kind of the opposite direction into the woods and then be like, you know what? Let's just leave this stuff here. I don't know. Like, it's just, it seems strange. Like, why wouldn't you either bring that with you or just leave it right where it is? Why would you transport it into the woods? Unless the original plan was to go inland and then they got turned around because they realized there was a ton of hostile tribes around and they Possibly. were like, they're literally fleeing for their lives. Possibly. I don't know. There's so many things. like that. Totally. And that's like, that's just it, right? Because they had enemies on both sides. They had the Spanish. They also had the indigenous people as well. Yeah. Because um, freaking idiots like Grenville had already like ruined relations. So, so the Spanish, let's talk about that really quick. The Spanish is an interesting one. Uh, definitely many people have speculated this because the Spanish were so, so close by. They're constantly in conflict with English chips. Chips. <laughs> chips? <laughs> the English chips. They couldn't stand. Damn fish and chips, man. <laughs> chips. <laughs> fish and chips at the cottery. <laughs> Wait a minute, cidery. <laughs> That's a shout out to Cody. <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay, so yeah. So they were, obviously, the English were aggravating the Spanish because they were raiding their ships, the Spanish galleons, and all this stuff, and they were basically just warring on the high seas, and it was just pure piracy man basically and they had just lost to the english too and like, exactly yeah so they were already in the midst of this whole armada struggle and whatever and prince philip basically failed and all this stuff so maybe they're seeking some revenge but at the same time how would they have knowledge of such a colony existing it would either have to come from english sources or from pure exploratory missions along the coastline right. by the spanish and they weren't so interested in colonizing the Up north. north no no they had their they Smart. literally had their gold <laughs> chests filled uh, down south, so yes, they didn't they did. really need to. But maybe they thought that this colony perhaps could have been like brought a lot of success to the British. Right. Maybe this could have been the start of a new era, and they just wanted to blot out the stain before it got any bigger. Uh, but there, yeah. there definitely is no evidence of them being there, though. No. None that we turned up. And if anyone has anything to counter that, please let us know. Yeah, like but if there was any. Yeah, there yeah, is no record. In either Spanish history or in their naval records. <sighs> Supposedly, they yeah, were just they were... as surprised at the vanishing as the British. When they heard the about it? Yeah. Interesting. Because I mean, there if... are there are some plays that perhaps there was a conspiracy in the English court, and they alerted the Spanish to the location of this colony in order to wipe them out for reasons that we will get into. But... Well, other than the fact that, obviously, just the Spanish hated the English. <laughs> they don't really need much motive other than that. But anyways, there's just... Yeah, there isn't a lot to this. Yeah. For me. Like, I, the, it's just... It makes sense, obviously, because they were already sworn enemies as nation-states. And reasonably close by, but... Reasonably, though? Like, I don't even... That's a stretch, Well, they though. were in Florida. They were, like, in the southernmost point of Florida, kind of moving around. Like, all those waters down south were 
dangerous. Yeah. I mean, and we're dealing with, like, Carolina area, so. North Carolina. I mean, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I, I just got an Afro Man lyric in my head. I'm not going to say it because it's not appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a throwback reference right there. Oh, yeah. Afro Man reference. <laughs> Wow. When the Afro man walked through the wildland, <laughs> houses went up for sale. <laughs> well. <laughs> All right. That's enough of that. Classic. Uh, That's yes. high school. We're getting ready. Oh, there. my goodness. I actually have that entire song memorized, but yeah, I'm, not you do. Gonna, I'm not going to re- recite it. Yeah, don't. <laughs> <laughs> just shut up, Amber. God. <laughs> just. <laughs> okay, so that basically wraps that one up for yeah, me. Yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't really have much to say. I just other think than. they were just, it was like. Yeah, like, they're not good. First of all, no evidence of violence and no need to really go that far, go to go over there to That's deal overkill. with That's overkill. It's overkill. Yeah. So, the next theory is kind of a more popular one. Like we said, we're kind of moving up up the ranks here. Mm-hmm. The idea that, that these colonists could have split off and potentially absorbed into other tribes, potentially um, on Croatan Island with mm-hmm. the Croatoans. So evidence found by John White obviously was that word, right? Carved yeah. into the post. Missing the cross symbol, so that was the the first good indication. The island is now called Hatteras Island, Croatoan Island. Mm-hmm. I don't know actually when that name was changed, but uh, Oh gosh, I'm not even sure. Yeah. But there's a lot to this though, because even if it was Croatoan, if it was other tribes, like that is so likely in my opinion, right? It's like dances with the wolves, man. Right? Kevin Costner. <laughs> so on on Croatoan, there's been evidence found, excuse me. This cider's uh, getting to me here. <laughs> <laughs> Little take home from work. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there, there's been evidence found on Croatoan Island. The problem is that it can't exactly be dated. So one of the main things that was found, though, was um, glass beads that mm. were distinctly uh, Western European. And they started making these in around 1550. Mm -hmm. They stopped making them in the early 1600s. So the range definitely fits. And these would have been things that they were obviously trading with these people. So Yeah. um, And it could have been, it could have been the Roanoke tribe. Could have been. Sorry, not tribe, colony. But it could have also been easily one of these other previous expeditions too. So there's no way to kind of like lock it in with them. No. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah, like, so does this mean, because, yeah, like, well, does this mean that they just stopped off, though? Because if that's the only thing that's left behind on the island, like, there's no, for example, you know, um, British coins or anything that people might have had, or, like, n- a knife or something that was distinctly, Where's the like, silver cup, man? Yeah, well, or, or a, any, a silver cup, anything, anything. right? Anything. Something else that is of, like, European origin. You know what I mean? Like, was this just a stop-off point? Did they go there because there it was, was a safe place and they could refuel, restock, have a safe place to be, mm-hmm. and then be like, okay, well, we can't stay here forever, so, like, let's dip out somewhere else. Very true. I know that there was something else found, and I honestly can't remember if it was on the island or in North Carolina. It might have been North Carolina. Like, further inland uh, or something? Exactly, so on the mainland. Yeah, okay. But it was a ring. And at first it was uh, supposedly a local jeweler coined it as like a gold ring and then it sort of matched the period. Right. Since then it's actually been proven to be a hoax though. Or not a hoax, but just like not. It was like misidentified. Yeah. It was, um, they thought that it was, it was like gold plated or gilded or whatever. And but it wasn't. It's like a bronze it was br- ring. It was brass. Or brass, sorry, not bronze. Yeah. Which just dates to a different period and different group. Mm-hmm. So that was a bit of a letdown because obviously any jewelry is usually a very good, uh, 
indicator yeah, of time period. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So this is interesting though, because we're gonna get into Oh, like just weird shit. Right? <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> weird stuff with um, the word Croatoan. It's popped up a lot of times over the last few centuries. And people have, like, they've obviously questioned whether it was the colonists themselves that carved that into the tree because what didn't have the distress signal, right? Like they talked about why right. would they be leaving if there wasn't distress. We so, said we weren't going to get paranormal, but we sort of loosely are right now. Really? Well, not really, but uh, just, just oh, continue guess. on well, with what you're going to sure, say. Here. Sure, 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 right? Yeah. I'm like, what? I mean, I'm we're not, getting, we're not, I'm not getting paranormal it, until but... getting paranormal, okay? <laughs> Put your paranormal pants on. <laughs> My big girl pants. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so we've had a, a bit of a weird coincidence with this Croatoan word. It's popped up in connection with a lot of mysterious disappearances. Nowhere near Roanoke Island, nope. so it's very strange. Or or Croton Island, it okay. So Edgar Allan Poe is involved in this. Apparently, he disappeared for a spell right before his death, and when he was seen again, he was babbling incoherently in the streets. He was seemingly delirious. People thought he was drunk, but it's it actually seemed to be more than that. And apparently, he was actually repeating. Until his deathbed, he actually repeated this in a state of delirium, the word Croatoan. Yeah. Weird. Bizarre. As well, it was found scribbled in the journal of Amelia Earhart after her disappearance in 1937. That's strange. That's even more bizarre to me, because she was nowhere near that, right? She's on the other side of the world, just leaving Australia. Yeah, and, you know, hundreds of years removed, obviously. Yeah. Uh, again, we get a few other ones here. So apparently there was a horror author. I'm not familiar with him at all, but uh, apparently Ambrose Bierce vanished in Mexico in 1913 and the bed he slept in had the word Croatoan carved in its post. So whether it was related to him or not, but weird, right? And there was another one too. Well, actually there was a couple other ones here. Um, the notorious... Stagecoach robber Black Bart yeah, Black etched Bart. the word into the wall of his prison cell right before his release in 1888 and was never seen again. I actually saw another version of that one where he escaped. He was supposed to serve a term and he escaped and oh, okay. he wrote that on the wall. Yeah. So, so, I mean, like, that's that's also kind of curious, too, because it's like even in, okay, it's 18, 1888 and this guy's a stagecoach robber. Mm-hmm. How did he know about this story? People or did he even? It in school. <laughs> you know was it mean? something like, whispered in his ear? Just like so many people, like you know, like in John Keel with the whole, uh, oh, what was his name? Indri- Indrid Cold. Indrid Cold, yeah. You know, Indrid Cold would enter the minds of some people, right? There was that one individual right. that he communicated with telepathically quite often. So perhaps this word, Croton, has a lot more to it than we no. Maybe. That's kind of the only paranormal element of this whole thing, though. But It's just kind of a... It's a curiosity. It is, and it's definitely a side note. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with... The we literally wrote side note in side the notes here. Side note here. here. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, to get back to this whole connection between the possibility of the Roanoke tribe being absorbed into various tribes and things like that, there were several accounts 
and reports in the years after the disappearances, um, allegedly by the people of Jamestown, that yeah. the next colony that was formed like by just twenty, like almost Johnson. two decades later or whatever. They, mm-hmm. you know, so quite a ways later, but yeah, two decades, and they actually had reports of these like bizarrely fair-skinned and fair-haired individuals that were clearly part of the tribe, but were just not fitting into the actual, you know, like the phenotypes that were displayed. In, traditionally yeah phenotypes is in like uh, uh just like physical markers of appearance that conform to genetics and things like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a really poor definition of no that. good enough though i mean seriously <laughs> eye color hair color those types of things right that would match up with anything european there's like there's genotypes and then there's phenotypes yes phenotypes are the expression of the gene anyways sorry there you go. <laughs> um, 101 with amber <laughs> there you go where's chris when you need him hey we need Actually, a dash yeah. of science yeah in we here. could use a dash of science we could um so but the only thing about this though is like 20 years isn't that long like it only would have been one potentially one generation mm-hmm. of like maybe two i guess things are i mean back in the day i mean when you were 16 you already had 16 kids in a farm and things like that so i guess if you're 20 back in you're, those days back in the day it was hard the first 16 <laughs> life was <laughs> but yeah. seriously though i mean like yeah i i guess it could have been a couple of generations in there but that is interesting mm-hmm. a fair-skinned group a that claimed to have white forebears oh, so. yeah and and these were called the hatteras they had fair skin and they had grayish eyes and they also claimed to have white forebears yeah. and this is a guy john lawson wrote about this hmm. yeah so Anyways, I just, there were other possibilities too. Like people suggested that they went north and they joined up with various Chesapeake tribes, uh, including the Chowanups, Chowanups or the Mibanoops. I feel really bad for Those are tough those. to pronounce. Yeah. I anyway. just, yeah. But um, apparently there were, this is a quote here and this is from John Lawson. He says that there was this map. It was called the Zuniga map. Okay. And it was a map of the area drawn in about uh, 1607 by a settler from Jamestown. This is the, um, the successor colony, essentially. And it states that there were, on the map, I guess, like, it states that there was four men clothed that came from Roanoke and were living amongst the Iroquois. So the spelling of Roanoke is actually R-O-O-N-O-C-K. So not spelled the same way, but pronounced is the same. And then there was another English guy that actually claimed to have seen two-story houses, stone houses at Indian settlements in these areas of the um, Iroquois and all this stuff. So there is the sort of idea that perhaps English settlers might have taught them how to build such houses. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So Hmm. that's that's, uh, very interesting. (laughs) Nice, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that kind of brings us into this whole idea of whether they went north, whether they went inland, and what evidence is there to support that. So, we're getting into a juicy one here. This isn't my pet theory by any means, but this is a big one, and it's the Dare Stones. Yeah, you knew we were coming to this, people. I mean, yeah, everyone who's been exposed to this story at all, this is probably one of the first things that you were exposed to with it is these mm-hmm. is the dare stones probably yeah and it's funny because these are <laughs> widely thought of as just pure hoax yeah and i feel like that's because of the the quantity probably yeah although even if there were less i'd still feel like people would think the same thing wow and know? the fact that the majority of them were then found by a guy who 
was basically kind of given breadcrumbs. Like, you know what I mean? As far as what the researcher was looking for, like the scholar himself. Right. And we're going to get into that in just a second here. But, okay, so apparently these... The, so the dare stones consist of about 48 stones, and they all have messages carved into them. And they all were found inland, and they led away from the coast in a linear pattern of so, sorts. Sorry. Yeah. And so it is like a line, right? And you go from North Carolina down into South Carolina. And uh, these stones weren't even uncovered until the 1930s. It was 1937. And they were, the first one was found (laughs) about 80 miles away from the original settlement on the main coast. Right. A lot of people actually consider this first stone to be legit and the uh, rest of them not legit at all. And I'm, I I would be sort of leaning that way too, honestly. But Mm -hmm. like, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it more. Yeah. So it almost, like I said, it's like, well, I refer to the fact that the one guy that found most of them was almost led along a breadcrumb of trails, or of clues, sorry, but essentially that's what these dare stones were too, right? If you think about them, it's just like sprinkled, scattered in a line, a rough line, and yeah, it's just, it, it's so bizarre, right? Because it, it makes you question like, okay, so why are these people moving so far inland? If it was me, I'd probably be traveling along the coast, but traveling south. Well, because you don't know where you're going. Well, like, exactly. at least when you're all on the coast, you have a reference point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're just going straight inland and you don't know what's there, that's risky. That is super risky. Were they thinking they would come up on another coastline, maybe, perhaps? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. So, the story goes that it was an actual, it was a tourist named Lewis Hammond. He was from California, and he found, <laughs> he was actually looking for hickory nuts. Really? Yeah, he was searching for them off the highway. It was a stretch of highway of nine, sorry, highway 17 near Edenton, North Carolina. And he actually found this bizarre stone. He took it home. Um, allegedly, he actually, he messed with it a lot. Like he scraped off the moss. He, uh, he colored in the lines, the etch lines with white pencil. He tried to accentuate it as well. And it didn't help his case, it. right? Yeah. And then after he did all that, he realized that he couldn't even read it because it was like old Elizabethan English. And so he ended up going to Emory University in Atlanta and he told them how he had found it. He said that basically he wanted someone to decipher it. He wanted someone to interpret it for him. Mm-hmm. And basically what it said, this was side one of um, of this stone said Ananias Dare and Virginia went hence unto heaven in 1591. Ein, I don't any. Any Englishman shoe John White, governor via, or Virginia. Yeah, short for so it's like the, the, yeah, the, yeah. So it's like any Englishman show, but it's like S-H-E-W, John White, uh, governor. Shoe. Shoe, and then V-I-A, yeah, Virginia. So should John White, John White, governor, Virginia. Mm-hmm. So supposedly this was written by, uh... Eleanor there. Eleanor, sorry, I was going to say Virginia. His, da- his daughter. Yeah. And obviously her daughter and husband, um, perished based on this message. Yeah, it was very sad. And it basically had two sides to it. So that was side one. Side two had a huge long pair on it. And it basically described how after the colonists had moved... Sorry, after John White had left, the colonists had moved inland. And uh, they had suffered a lot. It was just miserable. They had war with local tribes. Numbers are reduced by illness. And then basically only 24 left. Right. From 117. Yeah. Eesh. Not looking good. Ugh. 
And then it says here, uh, apparently on the stone, it said that after a ship was spotted off the coastline, the Indians, it turned, this is their, their phrasing, from, yes. not me, <laughs> the Indians, quote unquote, turned against them and attacked, killing all but seven, including Ananias and Virginia. Um, and supposedly the seven buried their dead, carved a tombstone for them, and placed it on a small hill by a river. <laughs> they don't okay. actually say what river. And it says here, yeah, obviously, for any any savage, if they found it, just to bring it to an Englishman or Governor White. Right. And, yeah. So, it's kind of... It's interesting, right? Because the way that the story is told is that, okay, so this is found on the side of a highway. What I'm imagining in my head is that I don't know how old this highway is, but it would be interesting to know that fact so that we could cross-reference, right? If it was a fairly new highway, then obviously there would have been construction. Um, it would have unearthed a lot of things, yes. moved things around. So maybe that's how it was uncovered because <laughs> supposedly the 47 other ones were kind of buried slash, like, in earth for quite a while is how it seemed okay so i don't know I, yeah well how do you harvest hickory nuts too there's a question because are you <laughs> digging around for them you digging for these nuts you're digging around if yeah. we have any listeners in north carolina south carolina or anywhere in that area that that digs hickory nuts let get us know. at us yeah and lewis e hammond himself like uh who is this guy right is he a hoaxer is he someone that we should trust i i'm kind of on the fence about that he is described as a tourist out of california a seller of produce <laughs> yeah a seller so, from produce from california going all the way to north carolina i don't think your much. produce is gonna be that fresh man one of the things that i came across in speculation of this guy hammond was that he actually was potentially working for a film production company in california obviously the 1930s was the um the rise of the of hollywood right i mean it started in the 20s but the 30s and 40s with like humphrey bogart and like right. those those kind of characters right with the talkies yeah mm-hmm. um Movies were big, and they were looking for big plots, and it was just, you know, it was only a couple of years later, 1939, when they, when Gone with the Wind was, like, the biggest oh. movie ever. Like, just this epic, right? Mm-hmm. And if they could come up with a story based off of something, uh, like, a historical mystery, like, not that Gone with the Wind is a historical mystery, but it's historical, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, if they could come up with something based off of this, mm. that would work That's really well. Juicy. It would play real well. But they never made one. They didn't. So, I don't know how I feel about that conspiracy against this Hammond guy, but it does seem a little fishy that he's come all the way just for hickory nuts. Mm-hmm. So, okay, consistencies with Roanoke is obviously the fact that this is Elizabethan English. And that's about it. <laughs> the fact that it had Ananias and Virginia. Right. There. And then it was, and it was reasonably close by, this first one. I mean, 80, 80 miles is not, 80 miles, it's, it's not yeah. super close, but it's close enough that you can walk that far. Like yeah. not, not in an afternoon, but if you're trekking inland, it's like, it's not like it's five states over. You know what I mean? No. Middle America, you know? Uh, exactly. But then the trail obviously led away from there in sort of a linear line, like we suggested earlier. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's so interesting. It threw me through a loop that a uh, whole idea that it could have been a Hollywood plot. Yeah. But, but there was someone who really took this seriously. Yes. Got his juices flowing, man. Like, seriously. And it was a Hayward Pierce Jr. And right. he was a professor. I'm not sure what of. Actually, no. I don't think... I, th- I think he was a doctor. 
not a doctor doctor, but like a doctorate. Like a professor of something. Mm-hmm. Was he from, he must have been from the university that uh, Hammond brought them to, I'm assuming. That would I make sense, wouldn't it? I believe so. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have to double check that one. But anyway. Okay. Yeah, so basically he led the way in uncovering more dare stones over the years. And like I alluded to earlier, he was the one that gave a lot of information away that he probably shouldn't have, which could have given people the uh, amount of information they needed to go ahead and hoax these. So (laughs) over the next four years, a lot of rocks started popping up all over the place. And they were found mostly by four people, um, including Pierce and his father. But... Also by a man by the name of William Eberhart, Eberhart or whatever, okay. who is described as an uneducated stone worker who found a mysterious stone with the date 1589. Okay. So it doesn't quite match up with the first air stone where it was 1591, but he went to Pierce anyway, and Pierce was very dismissive of it. He just thought it was a Spanish gravestone. But apparently Eberhart was not, he was not uh, dismayed by this, and he came back with two more stones. And I should just say right now, these are from South Carolina. So they were quite a ways away from the original. And it was kind of a shame because Pierce was very, in his excitement, in his enthusiasm, he shared a lot of the information with Eberhart as to which exact stone he was looking for, which is kind of bizarre to my sense because I know he's looking for the tombstone because that was the one that was described on the dare stone, the original dare stone. Right, trying to locate that hill location. So that was kind of what he was fixated on. He wanted to find the hill, he wanted to find the bodies. Yes. He wanted to find it all. (laughs) He was a very uh, ambitious person. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fascinating. I'd be in the same boat. Exactly. And, And the reason... Okay, so this is interesting. Pierce thought... He figured that the original dare stone was found so far away from the other dare stones in South Carolina because the original dare stone would have been carried by a native person, right? Either in some capacity to carry it to an Englishman or whatever, which in my mind, okay, wait, this is a really heavy stone. Why are you doing the English Why would you just favors? Read it and relay the message if you really want the reward. Well, I don't think they could read Elizabethan English. I guess. Why don't you just transcribe it on a piece of bark? That's light. There you go, yeah. <laughs> or something. I mean, I don't know. Well, if they can't message. read it, what then if... how the heck would they know to bring it to Well, anyone? exactly. And on top of that, why would they want to? What if, like, what was ever written on there was bad news for them? You know what I mean? Like, what if they're like, oh, this yeah, is a like, sweet place, come and make your... Literally, that only <laughs> would have made sense if exactly Manteo found it. And was like, oh, I can read this. Yeah. Like, sweet. Yeah. So, anyways, um... <laughs> it's funny because, but it it's it's just so fishy overall, right? Like yeah. Eber Sto- Eberhart, sorry, he he came up with a whole ton of these stones. Yeah, and they had a lot of different markings on them, a lot of yeah, different styles. Yeah, they weren't styles. all similar. Yeah. No, so that to me is a lot of inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. And then as well, it's kind of funny. Pierce, he was very like he he put a lot of stock into uh, Eberhart because. He thought he's more trustworthy because of his lack of education. Okay. So he thought there's no way this guy could hoax this. He's not He's not educated. He doesn't know Elizabethan the language. <laughs> he doesn't know anything. Yeah. And there was no internet back in the day. So. <laughs> could you imagine? Like, I can't. No, like, seriously. Can't. Like, we're, we sit here and do this show, and it's like, you want to look something up? Sorry. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> not happening. You just never know for the rest of your life. Um, yeah. So, anyways, to say the least... 
these stones have been mired in controversy yeah. since the founding or findings. And Pierce has kind of been put through the mud with this one too. Uh, a lot of people accuse him of fabricating many of the stones that he and his father found uh, as well. Well, <laughs> there's another sort of turn with this too because there was that dude, Scott Walter, I believe his name was, from yeah. the History Channel doc, and he did a very cursory examination and using digital technology, he determined that the stones are uh, authentic and the weathering is consistent with the time frame, which in my mind, doesn't make any sense. Because well, of the it, fact that he it, messed with it, right? The the first guy that found it, yeah. he, he altered it. He scraped away all the moss. He scraped away all the stuff. And what he, the one, yeah, he did do that. The one thing that made sense that this guy did. So like a friend, forensic geologist. So like what he did was he looked uh, deep in the grooves and like pores of the rock. And there was like indication of, um, oh gosh, I can't remember the, but there was rusting, like there was like other, other rocks, like that chemical had, other, weathering. yeah, like other types of minerals that had gotten in there over the, over time that had been weathered. So like that was his indication of time. So like the guy had scrubbed the surface, but there was like pot deposits beneath that, that like matched up. But it's like, that doesn't, that only gives you an indication of like, okay, well, okay, it could have been carved in roughly the same time frame, mm. like 400 plus years ago, but still wild speculation. It is, yeah. To be honest. and uh, A lot of people just consider all of it just outright ridiculous and just yeah. don't even, a lot of them are, oh, I even found this one article that referred to them as the pet rocks of Brunel University. <laughs> and that's where they're housed right now at Brunel. Okay. And, uh. This is another really cool thing that sort of veers into the realm of uh, legends and paranormal is the fact that apparently at Brunel, there is a ghost that haunts the Dare Stones. And really? the ghost is none other than Eleanor Dare's legendary second daughter, who what? is said to have been the offspring of a North Carolina Indian king. Crazy. Her name was Agnes. And this is total folklore. Like, yes. there's, there's no there's no way that we could possibly ever come up with evidence. Corroborate this. Exactly, yeah. to corroborate. But uh, the legend goes that Agnes, the ghost, did not show up until after the Dare Stones did at Brunel. So. <laughs> very, very interesting. Yeah. Well, that is one of the, that is, yeah, like, one of the theories of assimilation, like, that they, yeah, they, they went, they didn't go to Croatan Island, they went west and actually, yeah, just assimilated into a group and, yeah, that she was taken as a bride. Mm-hmm. Which honestly, like, Ooh. I don't think that is completely unrealistic necessarily. Like, no. What I mean, I I mean I don't know. Like, and this is me just speculating too because we didn't for this specific episode we didn't go into you know indigenous history of that area specifically to be like what were their exact customs like marriage customs or whatever. But it's would like, they've been accepting of it? Would have but, been an alliance? Well, would it, it, it would have been. I, I mean, in my mind, like thinking about it, fifteen eighties, fifteen nineties, it's like it would have been a very exotic bride to take, right? I mean, it would have been very... Ooh, and there's, there, well, there's also myths about how Virginia Dare actually did survive, and she was actually um, one of Pocahontas's rivals. <laughs> yeah, well, that, yeah. That was, that was, uh, came up in, like, lots of fiction literature and things like that. I think it kind of got worked into the fabric of, yeah. of folk, folklore and things like that. But people have been obsessed with this for forever, but anyway... But yeah, this guy from the History Channel, Scott, did we say Walter or Walker? I Walter, guess, I think. <laughs> is either um, Walker or Walter. One of those two. That that was kind of the, the theory he posited, that they went 
potentially two different directions that they split up. So some of them may have ended up on uh, Croatoan Island and others ventured inland. I don't know how much sense that makes. Splitting up, yeah. Why does that... Why would you do that? The only thing I can think of is that people were fighting. Internal strife is the only explanation. Yeah, they just didn't agree and just stubborn as hell and just ended up going their different ways. And that was that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But there was nothing ever mentioned on the Dare Stones in that capacity, right? It wasn't like, oh, we split off and... The, the others went that way. No, it just said way. that there was X amount remaining. Mm-hmm. It didn't say. That they had dwindled down to like 24 yeah. or 27 or something. Yeah. yeah. So that's definitely a very intriguing theory as far as what could have possibly happened to these. I feel as though all of it could have happened, even if the Dare Stone isn't real. I feel like that's a definite possibility that they tried to travel, whether it was inland or not, and had met with an ugly fate of sorts. And it was a mix, right? I'm not, I don't see this as a single event where they're all wiped out. No, it could be, yeah, a mix of a few different things, like disease being attacked. Yeah, and that was definitely things. alluded to on the stone. So that yeah. kind of gets down to the whole, was it an eternal thing? Was it just a breakdown from within? Or could was it, or was it out external, right? Could it have been murder, slavery, bad blood that just got you know, finally boiled over into a massacre, basically. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, cause it yeah. had been close before. Right. And white and his men, and obviously Grenville and his men and Lang had all gone and invaded native settlements and had destroyed their settlements and their crops. So yeah. in my mind, I feel like that's not off the table for the other side to do the same. <laughs> no, definitely not. No. I mean, they, and they, and they did that to each other too. It's not like indigenous populations prior to European contact were entirely peaceful. Like they no. obviously were at war with each other constantly. Um, yeah. I mean, so obviously if you're, you would not be as inclined to be peaceful with a completely different, um, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I think, I think that that would make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's also this idea that they could have been just outright taken as slaves. Like the men may have been massacred and then the women and children, whatever remaining ones there may have been taken as slaves um, and then sort of slowly assimilated into the culture just by being taken as essentially wives. True. Um, There was that one account from William Sachi who reported seeing native tribes with European slaves who were forced to beat copper. Yeah. So that could have been a few. Working in some of the... Yeah. Well, we've, we've come across that just like watching, I mean, just documentaries and stuff like that, like ancient indigenous mines. That's so cool. We should do an episode on it. But yeah, like European slaves work in these essentially. Bizarre. Bizarre. Well, not bizarre really. It it makes sense. Well, it would be bizarre for another like white person to come across it or or, or to hear about it Mm -hmm. or something. Right. It's like, that would definitely be a turn of the screw. (laughs) 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 I like that. Yeah. Um, (laughs) That's a James reference, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, Okay. But yeah, so (laughs) sorry, just to get on track there. Get on track there. I feel like we're on the track, but my brain isn't on the right track. I feel like we're on the track. (laughs) We're on on a track. track. Where it's heading, I don't know. Okay, so this comes down to this whole... The idea that there was murder, violence, there was an uprising of the natives, and they basically took over and quelled the colonists and basically killed them all. Yeah. Um, This comes down to a confession supposedly heard by John Smith of Jamestown, the... Uh, pre- the no. John Smith. The John Smith. 
Yep, the one that took home Pocahontas. Apparently. Supposedly. <laughs> but apparently he heard a confession by Pocahontas's father, yeah. Chief Powhatan. And this confession basically said that he murdered all the colonists in revenge. And, yeah, it was bad blood. And they just were like, you know what? You guys are vulnerable and we're just going to take care of you. We're just going to nip you in the bud. Yeah, well. And he was supposedly a little remorseful, I guess, because he would have killed a baby. You know what I mean? Like, right. Not to say that, like, a lot of colonists didn't kill indigenous babies. That was very... Sure widely That was widely practiced, right? You yeah. kill the young and you enslave the women and you kill the men. And that's how you subdue and colonize people. Yeah. Very brutal. No HR back in the day. No, yeah. <laughs> that's a bad joke. Poor taste. <laughs> you can't go and complain to anybody. That's my point. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, yeah. So we have that on the flip side. And then we have the idea that there was diseased compound, any sort of conflict that was coming from the outside. Yeah, like there was definitely evidence of disease at later colonies and even in Jamestown. So who's to say that 20 years earlier that they couldn't have come across something very similar, like somebody came down with the plague, Yeah. right? And then it starts to spread. So they start to kill off people who are coming down with disease. And potentially that's a reason for indigenous people massacring them as well, right? Maybe it's not yeah. outright revenge. Maybe it's like... Y'all are getting sick, and that's not okay, mm-hmm. so we're just going to get rid of you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a culling. Yeah. Right? I don't know. I mean, but it's again, but again, again, though, <laughs> there was no evidence of that. True. So. Yeah. And if you're dying well. of the plague or some sort of a disease, like, how much help is it going to be to just, like, up and move, like, just over to another island or something? Or that's to try true. to move inland? I mean, at that point, to you'd almost just be like, you know words. what? I'm calling it a day. Like, what's the point even at that point? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Apparently there was witnesses um, from Native American tribes that saw... uh, Sorry, they saw internal warfare amongst the colonists. Hmm. Internal warfare. So they're they're turning in on themselves, which is kind of... it's, It's a very quintessential sort of scenario, right? Where you're stranded, you're in a foreign land... Limited resources, uh, tempers are hot and heavy, that type of thing, and yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like, well, who's calling the shots, too, right? Because John oh, White yeah. left. Yeah, the governor's gone. So, then. I mean, in my mind, I'm kind of thinking, like, perhaps Ananias Dare, his son-in-law, tried to, you know, be that guy, but maybe You people... think they would appoint someone before he left? <sighs> really? Like, really, though? Would they? Like, know. he thought he was coming back right away. He didn't think he was going to take three years. He thought True. he was coming back the following spring. Yeah. So why would you appoint somebody? You'd just be like, you know what, guys, don't die. I'll be back in six months. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, everything will be fine. But it wasn't. No. So. And if they were having some internal struggles and internal conflict, what I can imagine happening and what a lot of people have sort of imagined themselves is the idea that cannibalism could have presented itself amongst the Roanokes. Yeah. And, and there was evidence of this, right? At, not at Roanoke, no, but yeah, later yeah. on at Jamestown. Mm-hmm. So there were some serious shortages of food and issues at Jamestown Colony in 1609. And there is evidence now that they did resort to cannibalism there. Um, <laughs> and that's where we get into another Native American legend. That yes. of the... The Wendigo. Yeah. And so that basically comes about when uh, an individual consumes flesh or does something that is 
unforgivable, like murder or whatever. That's more skinwalker type thing though. But the Wendigo is basically where they turn into a monster, an ever hungry monster that yeah. just insatiable, insatiable for human flesh yeah. and just like walks around. It, it becomes more and more grotesque the more it eats. And, and definitely prominent in uh, Algonquin speaking mm-hmm. groups, which is this, which is these people that they were, that they had met. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we didn't say, we said we're not going to get into paranormal stuff, but just a side note here, like obviously everyone listening, you know me, you know me. <laughs> I like paranormal things, and <laughs> I believe that the Wendigo or something like the Wendigo exists in some shape or form. Whether or not there was an army of Wendigos that mowed down on an entire colony. Oh, well, a... I'm saying that the colonists themselves could have become oh. Wendigos. I'm not saying Wendigos oh. just stormed in and were like, boom, we're eating you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's a chicken and egg situation. Just had an epiphany right there. Yeah, right? Because so, what, like, they... what if the colonists are still in America, and they are still... Windigos. Windigos. Mm. Crazy. Well, is okay. it Halloween yet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Well, that's kind of an unsettling thought, isn't it? It is unsettling, and I think if you take stock in that type of thing, then it's totally plausible. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to deny it. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Wendigo, man. Yeah. It's the Wendigo. But anyways, so <laughs> we're getting up to... My pet theory, <laughs> which uh, let's get into your pet theory. Yeah, that it was a conspiracy to bring down the colony on the part of the English, not the Spanish. It's not from without; it's from within. Yeah, and this is spooky, man. So, yeah, there are some who believe this is the case, and they sort of contradict the conventional explanations for the uh, disappearance of the colonists. And the main person who sort of uh, <laughs> heads this is a anthropologist a, a graduate student named lee miller she is a part of the john hopkins university okay. and basically she believes that the colonists were victims of a plot by a man by the name of Fur- sir francis fur francis <laughs> furry francis furry franny let's <laughs> <laughs> just call him that <laughs> by sir francis walsingham yes. queen elizabeth's secretary of state and also known as her spy master. The spy master. So basically Miller's thesis is that uh, Sir Francis Walsingham, he was a cabal master miner. And basically he he was in, he had a lot of, uh, a lot of hands and a lot of pots, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, he did. And a lot of it had to do with um, overtaking the Spanish. He wasn't a fan of them. He was a adamant Protestant, so he vehemently detested the rule of Queen Mary of Scots, who she was obviously in charge of the counter-reformation of Protestantism in England, and it was a very bloody time. A lot of heads were chopped off that were Protestant heads, and then uh, Elizabeth comes to power, and so Walsingham, who was in exile this entire time, comes back to her side to rule, and he's kind of her right-hand man as far as a lot of these plots and conspiracies over the course of her rule. So... um, yeah, there's a lot to this here. So basically, wiki notes on Sir Francis Walsingham, I've kind of already touched on a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Supposedly, he was born December 20th, 1970, or 1973. No, sorry. <laughs> he was appointed the Secretary of State in 1973. But he's popularly remembered as her spymaster, as I alluded to. He definitely had uh, humble origins. He basically rose... Uh, he was from... <laughs> He was from not, well, I guess he was from gentry, but he wasn't, like, high up. 
he did attend university, he went to Cambridge, and he traveled a lot. So he obviously, like I said, he's a committed Protestant. And when Queen Elizabeth rose to power, he took over a lot of her domestic policy. So he became her secretary of state. Okay. And just her advisor in a lot of ways. But he, oh man, like this guy, like he, the way he's described, he seems very ruthless to me. He is very calculating. He basically had a plot, an 18 year plot to overthrow Queen Mary of Scots, Queen of Scots. That's a long time. That's, That's a commitment. long game right there. That's mm-hmm. commitment right there. So getting back to the whole thing where he was basically the mastermind of this plot. Basically what she's claiming, this Lee Miller, she's saying that he wanted what Raleigh had. Raleigh was the golden boy. He was he could do no wrong in Elizabeth's mind. He had a gold mine. He basically had a patent to colonize North America on behalf of the English crown. Right. And he was raking in the gold, obviously, from all the Spanish galleons he's raiding. Yeah. And this guy, Wolsingham, (laughs) was going broke. He was almost going to declare bankruptcy at this point. So Hmm. it's looking very attractive. And on top of it, like I said before, he hated the Spanish. So he had a long, long long-term contracted plot to sort of... I don't even know the ins and outs of that one because I didn't look into it because it's just way too much. But essentially, this would have played in very nicely. If he had had the patent instead of Raleigh, he would have been set up nice and pretty on his throne there. Yeah. Not on his throne, but you know what I mean. Yeah. A throne. <sighs> okay. So there's a lot <laughs> to this, right? Because she wrote a book. Yes. And I can't remember the name of the book off the top of my head, but I think it's just called um, Revisiting Roanoke. Okay. But basically, her idea was that, like we mentioned, Kate, we we sort of made Fernandez out to be the bad guy in the part one of our episode, but he is just a pawn in Wolsingham's plot. Right. So essentially, Wolsingham set him up. Fernandez was actually going to be hanged at one point for being a pirate. Really? And Wolsingham got him out of it. <laughs> so, hmm, think hmm. there's a debt to be repaid? Probably. Uh, yeah, I'd say. I would say so. So essentially, Fernandez was the person on board that would have been responsible for a lot of the sabotages that prevented the colonists from having success. Things like ordering the abandonment of one of the three ships carrying essential supplies off the coast of Portugal days after departing England. He's like, screw you guys, we're abandoning you. Even though it ended up showing up anyways, like days later after they landed on Roanoke, which is weird, right? Because how would they know where to go? Were they just trying to meet up there because they knew they'd stop for the pit stop to pick up those 15 call, the fifteen people and then continue on? Very I weird. I mean, you're not Very using strange. GPS, that's for sure. So, right? I mean, how the heck do you... I yeah. don't know. Maybe it's just the route and they saw stuff. They saw smoke or something. Maybe. Anyways, and then he also refuses to stop in the Caribbean for supplies like fresh water and salt for preservation of food, all that kind of stuff that's essential to creating a colony. Hmm. Yep. He also stalls slash gets lost and then dumps the colonists in an area known for conflict way too late in the summer for them to successfully tra- or transplant plant crops, is what I mean to say. Yes. On top of it, he gives the reason that he's not bringing them to Chesapeake Bay because he's in a rush to go raid Spanish ships. What does he actually do? He beelines it back to England. Yeah. So what does that say to you? And, okay, so on top of that, Fernandez was obviously not working for Spain because he hated the Spanish. He was a Portuguese national, and the Spanish had recently taken on a lot of Portuguese territory, so there's Mm. no reason for him to be aligned with the Spanish. So that's kind of irrelevant in a lot of ways. Right. And so anyways, 
he was probably, it's strange too, because he actually was one of the contributors to the funds for the colony. So he was an investor. So why would Fernandez go about like sabotaging his own investment? The only reason I can think of was that it was Wolsingham. Right. That was like, hey buddy, you owe me. You You owe me your life. You owe me big. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want this to work or do you want to die? (laughs) (laughs) So essentially, yeah. So Miller, Lee Miller, she builds a case that Fernandez was enticed slash coerced by Sir Francis Walsingham to do his bidding. um, And that essentially this is, yeah, I don't know. Like, what are you thinking about this right now? Well, it's funny. We just recently watched, what was the title of that movie? It was like Queen, it, it was about Queen Elizabeth and it, it had the called, character of Walt, this guy in it. And it was played by, Queen Elizabeth. it was just called Queen Elizabeth, Elizabeth. played by uh, I think it was called Elizabeth. Joffrey Rush. But Jeffrey. Is it, sorry, Jeffrey. Joffrey. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway. Oh my God. You just had a Mark Storrs laugh. Did I? Yes. I love Mark Storr's laugh. <laughs> Shout out to Mark and everybody at the Kryptonaut podcast. Yeah, we were nice. listening to you all day at work today. It was so much fun. Yeah. But anyways. Um, um, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But I, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. Because clearly this guy had some uh, sort of um, clandestine motivations. He was a shady really character, did. you know. Yeah. And he was, uh, yeah, like you said before, like he had stokes and many fires. Yeah. And this was definitely, because like Raleigh was, like you said, he was raking it in. And he was given like tons of stuff too. Like he was given even more estates throughout the UK. Like he had estates in Wales, Scotland, and like other places too. Probably like, he was France just, too. like What do you even need that much space for, bro? You know like, mean, yeah. Anyway. So obviously there's a lot of jealousy going on in the English court. Um, a lot of it revolving around this golden boy. And I think, um, oh, what's his name? <laughs> what's his name? Walsingham. I think he's been around the block long enough to see that he can probably overturn this sort of favoritism, right? Hmm. He has to be very patient. And again, we get more sort of allusions by Miller and arguments by her that basically... The reason for John White's, uh, his, his uh, stagnation is, you know, from going back to Mm -hmm. the colonists was Walsingham. And I'm going to just say something really interesting. The year that John White returned to Roanoke is the same year that Walsingham died. So he's no longer in the picture. So there's nothing for, you know what I mean? Like, isn't that, that's an interesting tidbit. Yes, it is. Because it's like well, the story we were given was like, oh, the war's over, so here's a ship. But he didn't get <laughs> but he a ship. didn't get a ship. <laughs> yeah. So, and not to mention, though, it's like, too, it's like, even if the English had defeated the Spanish, like they did, mm-hmm. this is still very, 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 like, small amount of time had passed since then. You're still going to want your armada. Like, you're still going to want your yeah. fleet yeah. intact. So if that was really the justification, why is another ship going then? Like, you think- right after. You know what yeah. I mean? You would think that there would be things to maintain over in the New World, though, too. You know what I mean? Like, as far as outposts or whatever. Like, I don't... I no, I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, what he was told was that you can't spare a ship. We need it for the war. Mm-hmm. But that's just an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, because it's like... Okay, wait a second here. You've like, got... A, how many ships do you have? Like, come on now. Like... A lot. You can spare a ship. He can spare a dingy, damn it. <laughs> that makes sense that, that Walsenham would do. The, the, the thing, <laughs> I don't know. I guess maybe he thought he was going to live a little longer than 58. Yeah. He was hoping to see some more of, reap some more of the... Uh, or even just pass it along to his next generation, maybe. Maybe, because... Uh, but it's interesting, though, right? Like, I think this is very... Like, even Miller, this is her exact words here. 
I think it's Walsingham. If you look at other Walsingham operations over the years, which are documented, it's like clever fiction. He took 18 years to bring down Mary, Queen of Scots. He's the only one who regularly pulled off these vast, meticulous, painstakingly thought-out schemes. It's documented that he did this. End quote. So, I feel like Miller is a bit sensationalist, and she really wants to come out against a lot of the sort of conventional notions of what happened to the colonists, and I think it's really juicy. I feel like this is the makings of another movie, right? And I honestly, it's funny, because we watched that Elizabeth movie, and we thought we were watching the one with um, Raleigh in it. Right. That has, what's his name? Clive Uh, Owen. Clive Owen, and we, freaking Netflix, man. Yeah, we waited all the way to the end of the movie, and then the credits come up, and I'm like, (laughs) so when's when's Clive? Where's Clive? Where's Clive? (laughs) What? Part two, I guess. Yeah, part two. But anyways, it's kind of bizarre, too, because we get the same same lady playing Elizabeth in both movies, so... What's her name again? It's uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh no, no, no! What's the name? No, no. I don't know. I'm just thinking of names like that from Hollywood. Oh. It's one of those actresses with a name like that. What's her name? Um, Let's see if oh, you can gosh. think of it by the time I look it up. Uh, <laughs> it comes up with Queen Elizabeth. Susan Sarandon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, it starts with a a scene and ends with a whitening. Toothpaste. <laughs> Kate Blanchett. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Ends right. with the whitening. Yeah. <laughs> it's like going to the dentist. <laughs> okay. Anyways. All right. All right. So according to Miller, this is this is the most convincing case for her. And she, a lot of her book is what I would call sentence fragments. <laughs> She's very like, her prose is very sparse. I'll say that much. Mm. But anyways, um, so she, again, just to add to this conspiracy is... The Jamestown Report. Right. That came in, like, what was it, like, 1608, I believe, or 1609? I think, yeah, yeah, in and around there. One of those. And basically, this was where we get the Chief Poetan's confession, that he murdered all of the colonists. And it's funny, because apparently there are documents and things that suggest that the principals of the colony of Jamestown, so, like, the the higher-ups, like, the council, I guess. City council, man. Anyways. Um, Colony council. Colony council. So, so apparently they were suspicious and disbelieving of this report. Hmm. And there was actually, there were repeated search efforts after this report was issued up to the year 1650. Really? 1650. So over, this is like 70 years after these colonists disappeared. Or sorry, 60 years. But. Er, no. Yeah, no. because they disappeared in 15... Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. 60 right on the dot. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 63. Yeah. 60, yeah, exactly. So another factor that Miller uses to justify her claims is the idea that uh, many of the there were many reports in the Jamestown area and beyond, again, like we were alluded to, right, these Caucasian-looking natives, whitened hair, or sorry, whitened skin, fair hair, all this kind of stuff. So a lot of, maybe that was another reason why some of the colonists at Jamestown were disbelieving, because they are like, um, I don't know. It's really the case because of this. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, Chief Powhatan's confession might not have been false. He could have easily slain a few of them and thought he got them all, but a few of them escaped into the trees and then Possibly. ended up scattering and joining up into random various tribes and all this kind of stuff and then and, and then producing this offspring, which is very, very, very strange looking, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. I suppose like that, I mean, yeah, the idea of moving inland and splitting off and stuff like that and... Uh, 
along with this story kind of makes sense. Like, that would lead to potentially, yeah, that first Darestone being real. Not necessarily the other ones, but that first one 80, 80 miles away being legit from Eleanor Dare. Mm-hmm. Because, because yeah, and, and the number was correct, like around 24, because there had been a some kind of a massacre. And you're not going to stick to the coast if people had just been massacred. It's very easy to be found. Yeah. So that actually does make sense for moving inland. It's dangerous just as well, but it's also potentially more places to hide or to find something safe. If you're just on the coast or on an island, people know where you are. Yeah. But then at the same time, if any English ships pass by, wouldn't you want to see them and wave them down or something? Yeah, I know, but it's like if you're just freaking having to look over your shoulder every millisecond to make sure nobody's going to shoot you with an arrow, then I mean, what's the point? And if you don't have binoculars, it'd be really hard to see the flags on the ships unless they're really close to shore. Yeah, you wouldn't, yeah. You know, so that in that case, it could be quite dangerous to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. make that kind of attention. Anyway, so what do you think of this whole Lee Miller? Is this something that's, uh... Well, I mean, I feel like there's, yeah. Grace in like, the wheels, the cogs I mean, up she's in the not brain. the only one that's obviously positing this idea, no, right? No, she's like, just one that basically put it all together in a book. Totally. Mm-hmm. And shout out to uh, our, one of our diehard listeners, yes. Adam Castaneda. Uh, from the band The Suffers, which is just a sweet, sweet group. You guys need Love to go it. check them out on Spotify. Awesome music, really, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he um, threw out this idea in our Facebook group, and I was stoked because I was like, oh, I didn't know if anyone had... I, I wasn't... Yeah, like if anyone I didn't had heard know, this before, yeah. so I was like, sweet. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm definitely leaning this way. I mean, because Walsingham is like very... You, he's a documented person in history, and we mm-hmm. can go look at the other things that he arranged. yeah. Money is king. Cash is king. Cash is and king, if somebody yeah. else is making it and you're not, yeah, and you could have been that guy, yeah, you could have. Then, <laughs> and you could usurp that, maybe. Right. I don't know. I mean, it reminds me of Taboo, right? The TV series we're oh, watching. I can't was, wait for that show to come back. It was back. A dark, dark times, and the what was that called? The um, the company, the East India Trading Company. Yeah, the East mm-hmm. India Trading Company. Yeah, Ooh, brutal. Mm, indeed. We might have to do a show on that, too, an episode. Oh, what was the main guy in that? We both have a crush on <laughs> Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Yeah, oh. I have a crush on Tom Hardy, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, no, but I'm I'm definitely buying this theory. Like, it, they ditched, they ditched their supply ship. He, frick, he, he, he piddled around and sailed around when he didn't need to and wasted a bunch of time. Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. This is the 1500s, man. You gotta get to land. Oh, totally. To survive. Like, obviously, that that to me, like, the ship being lost at Portugal or ditched at Port, off, mm-hmm. off the coast of Portugal, that could be misconstrued in a million different ways. Maybe they had Not to go... Not stopping so, for supplies in the that, Caribbean? That though? one and the wasting time one are the two, to me, that scream conspiracy for sure. And apparently, like, what I, what I relate of Miller's argument is obviously, like, the rough, rough sketch of it. And she does go into the fact that supposedly there was a a previous expedition that failed in 1517 and they, I don't even know how far they made it. It was basically, I think they made it to Scotland. I'm not sure. It was like very brief, but the language used in the journals that, um, describe the account and whatever else, the, the journey, yeah. the wording is oddly the same as Fernandez's journal when he was writing at the time of when he was captaining these people. So she was like, this is bizarre. And I don't know if it's a stretch of the imagination for her to just be like, they basically, it was like a copycat crime. They weren't even that original about it. Like they just 
And it wasn't even like that was a conspiracy, though. It was almost like they just used that as a, um, a, a what's it called? Like a, a precursor sort of example. What do they call that in the law system where it's like <laughs> a precedent? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a precedent for what happened. So maybe they were thinking like, oh, this could be legit if we just, you know, just kind of mosey around. Apparently, because like obviously Fernandez at one point, he almost grounded the ship on the North Carolina shore. Right. But he actually, he used the exact same wording as the guy who actually done the same, but in Scotland. Okay. So it's just really weird. And I don't know, I don't want to get too much into that, but there's a lot to Miller's argument. Yeah. And to really observe no, it all, I, I would highly recommend checking out this John Hopkins magazine article that sort of reviews it. It was by a guy named, or a girl, I should sorry, named uh, Dale Keeger. Okay. Rethinking Roanoke. But, yeah, she basically goes through, and she is very thorough in her examination of Miller's work, and she she doesn't let her off the hook for a lot of things. So, <laughs> in that regard, yeah, there's yeah. definitely a, something to refute it as well. But that kind of brings us up to our conclusion, hey, for yeah. this episode. Yeah. For I our mean, theories, and obviously, if anyone else has anything to add, we would love to hear from you. We want to know what you think. Yeah. We'd love to hear what you guys think. So which of the theories so that we've discussed today do you feel like is the most accurate? Is there any that we haven't mentioned that you think would be, that you think could fit for this mm. lost colony, for the disappeared for the disappeared people? I mean, the thing with this last bit we just talked about here with the conspiracy and the sabotage um, of Walsingham, mm-hmm. that still doesn't explain where they went. Right. Oh. I mean, obviously that's just the, that just explains the circumstance and, yeah. and why John White couldn't go back. Um, and still potentially explains, I mean, <laughs> you want to go even more conspir- conspiratorial was one of those 117, uh, that traveled there, a plant of some kind. Mm. Could, could one of them have been involved yeah, in this walls and have down from the of some kind, out. right? That would have been the clever thing to do. Why would you? Wolseley probably did do that. Or sorry, I'm, I'm Wolsingham. Yeah. Wolseley. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, because, because that would tie into the sabotage element before they actually landed. Mm-hmm. But then again, too, it's like, that would have been a pretty, that's a, that's a kamikaze mission for that guy too, because it's like, okay, you're going to be the, yeah. you're going to be the mole on an island where Where's everyone the... hates you. Yeah. And where's the carrot there's stick no for food. that guy? And like, what do you have like an extra can of carrots like hiding behind a tree that nobody else knew about? They probably like, made him false promises and you know that type must of thing. Have. Yeah. Must have. Must have. Yeah. Who knows? So what is your ultimate thought here? Where'd they go? What happened to the colonists? <sighs> I think it's a mix. I think that they probably uh, could have basically been on the brink of starvation, had no supplies, were very desperate. Some of them could have got fed up with the whole colony situation and been like, you know what? Screw all you. Like, I'm going my own way. I'm going to maybe perhaps some could have like, this is all in my head, right? Imagining things like what if some had struck up a friendly relationship with a couple natives and been like, you know what? Actually, not for all of you, just for a few of us. We're just going to go this way. (laughs) Maybe. Peace because you guys suck and you're guns. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, like women have... are vulnerable, but they're also a good ally. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, they will make alliances to benefit themselves. Yeah. Not saying that men won't do that either, but they were very heavy-handed in the beginning, and there wasn't any men in the first two expeditions, so what do you got to say about that? Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to make this a gendered issue, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's kind of my thoughts, is that there was a mix of fates of these people, like, whether so or not... So some could have just died, whether it be at the hand of indigenous people, tribes, slash, mm-hmm. slash disease, and slash possibly moved inland, is kind of what you're saying. But I also think that they were not 
like the original sort of situation for them was not good. And right. if I was white, I honestly probably would have been like, you know what, guys, this is not going to work. Like, let's just go back and retry next year. Yeah. Take them all back. Like, just do it. Or just take them to Puerto Rico or take them somewhere else and just be like... Or take them to Chesapeake Bay, for God's sakes, at least. That's just the bizarre part, right? Why they never made it there. Because... It's not even that far away. No, it's Like, really by not. boat. Yeah. Like, anyway. Like, on the coast, right? It's definitely far away if you're having to freaking backpack supplies. Who knows how, how it would have gone, eh, if they had made it there. 500 yeah. acres apiece 500. is what they were promised. Yeah, they never... I'm of the mind that, yeah, I'm so, I mean, same, same kind of deal. I think that there was definitely a peaceful exit from the original colony, obviously, because there was no indication of that. So John White finds this word on the post and CRO on a tree. Whether or not that is actually has to do with the island being named Croatan, or if this is just some sort of strange paranormal word that pops up in messed up situations, like mm. we kind of mentioned, I don't know. But either way, they left not under distress, clearly. Yeah. So I think that they probably did at a time go to Croton Island and and possibly spend a little bit of time there or at least figure out what they were going to do. Mm-hmm. But there's been indications that, um, I don't know if I actually mentioned this earlier on, but there's climatologists that have looked back in the record and it shows mm. that 57 to 59 was massive drought. Oh, really? Massive okay. drought. And uh, so it would have been tough for growing crops and feeding people for everyone around there not just for the colonists obviously of course the indigenous people were much more adept with hunting Mm -hmm. and fishing and things like that yeah but with multiple more mouths to feed it's like maybe they did for a time go to croton drought hits things start to get a little hairy there too possibly and then we end up with much smaller numbers maybe disease sets in who knows and and i do believe that that first dare stone is legit Mm -hmm. i do because i mean I haven't come across anything really to outright refute it. Mm-hmm. It's close enough that it would make sense that Eleanor Dare could have gone with a smaller group. Maybe it was the only people left alive inland because they were too exposed on the coast. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're too exposed to, to the very same people that knew exactly who they were and hated them for who yeah. they were. Yeah. And the previous people that have been there. Oh, it's just overall such a crazy scenario to find yourself in right like i just couldn't imagine it like there's nothing left in this world for us except for perhaps being the first person on mars and that like you know that uh private funded expedition that we're gonna try and do the colony on mars but count me out not that i can afford it anyway Uh, who is that astronaut abby they're part of that you ever heard of her no no she like did some work with was it chasing Earhart? I think it was. Astronaut Abby. Oh, that sounds familiar now, yeah. actually. Yeah. She's awesome. She has a great cool. Instagram account. I love her. But Sweet. Yeah, anyways, she is a part of that, sort of. But that's, like, that's the next frontier, right? Yeah. I'm just trying to imagine, like, comparables in our day and age. Like, it's very hard to wrap your head around. No, it really is. And it's, like, I feel like sometimes it's hard to convey just how profound all of this is sometimes. Especially yeah. when it's, like, over a podcast. Even when you watch a documentary, it's not that... It, it's it tough. is. <laughs> no, it is for us. But it's, like, not for everybody, right? Like, that's why we do this show, because we want to bring historical mysteries and talk about this mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. But it's like, this was the same with, like, the Chinese explorers and the Irish explorers episodes, too. It's like, people, this is this was 15, eight, the 1580s and prior. Mm-hmm. You're crossing an ocean. You don't even know, like, you're just weeks upon weeks upon weeks. You can't see anything but water. Nothing. Mm-hmm. You don't even know if you're going to hit land or not. You're just trusting the guy steering the boat. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Like, 
I don't know. Hopefully I have Terry enough, knows how to get there. Hopefully like, Terry. I have like, a hard enough time trusting airline pilots. Like, you know what I mean? I have like, a hard enough time trusting cabbies, man. <laughs> I don't trust gonna, them for a second. No, you're going to take me. I have my Google Maps You're going to take like, me on a freaking way longer route, and you're going to drive like an ass. And anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Truth comes out. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we don't take cabs. <laughs> so definitely they didn't take a cab anywhere, These the Roanoke colonists. <laughs> Couldn't catch one. Oh, man. But, yep. Anyways, so that kind of wraps it up for us, I guess. That pretty much eh? wraps it up. They gone. I they mean, gone. We, we, we don't really have any conclusive no. conclusions. No, we don't. And We're this is one of those... Pure conjecture. Pretty much. And that's the same boat for everybody, really. Yeah. Some evidence found on Croatan, some on Roanoke, the Darestone Inland, and we want to hear your thoughts. Please. So, so them our way. thanks so much again for listening to this part two. We hope you enjoyed it, and um, we will not be back next week, so enjoy a weekend off, and mm-hmm. we sure will for Amber's birthday, yeah. and then we will be back um, the following Sunday, and we can't wait. We'll see you guys then. Mm-hmm. Network.com.